Now it was about the sixth hour, and there was darkness over all the earth until the ninth hour. Then the sun was darkened, and the veil of the temple was torn in two. And when Jesus had cried out with a loud voice, he said, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. Having said this, he breathed his last. So when the centurion saw what had happened, he glorified God, saying, Certainly this was a righteous man. And the whole crowd who came together to that site, seeing what had been done, beat their breasts in return. But all his acquaintances and the women who followed him from Galilee stood at a distance watching these things.
Thank you so much, choir, for lifting our hearts in praise and worship this morning. I've got a formidable task ahead of me for the next few minutes to keep you engaged and awake and alert. But I'll see what I can do. There's an old story. Uh, perhaps you've heard about a young preacher who was going to preach for the very first time in his life, a very significant event, mind you. And since it was his very first sermon, he decided that he wanted to have a smashing introduction. So he went to an older pastor and he said, Do you know of any surefire introduction that is guaranteed to get everybody's attention? The old preacher listened to this young preacher. And he says, As a matter of fact, I have an illustration that works every single time. He said, When you walk to the pulpit, make this statement. Some of the greatest days of my life I spent in the arms of another man's wife. He said, then pause for a moment and wait. And then add these words, my mother. Well, the old preacher now, listen, he, he said, now don't forget to pause before you say my mother. And also don't forget to tell your wife what you're going to do. Okay. Well, that fateful Sunday arrived. And this young, inexperienced preacher walked to the pulpit and he had two problems. First of all, he was extremely nervous. And secondly, he forgot to tell his wife what he was going to do that morning. So he got up in front of the congregation and cleared his throat and said very nervously, some of the greatest days of my life I spent in the arms of another man's wife. And he waited for a moment and his wife, who happened to be a hot-tempered lady, got up out of her seat and stormed to the pulpit. And it so unnerved him that he stammered and he stuttered and he said, and for the life of me, I can't remember who she is. <laughs> now, I don't know if that really happened, but I hope it did. I would have loved to have been there in that audience that day, but one of the lessons we can take away from that, beloved, is to realize that forgetfulness can get you into a lot of trouble. Forgetfulness can get you into a lot of trouble. Have you ever been to the airport and forgotten your license or your passport? Ever forgotten your ticket to an event? Ever forgotten your wedding anniversary? forgetfulness can get you into a lot of trouble. And some people seem to struggle with this a whole lot more than other people. There's a story about a city dweller, a city slicker, who was visiting relatives out on the farm. And the farmer gave a whistle, and he, the city slicker was watching, and the farmer's dog herded the cattle into the corral and then latched the gate with her paw. And he said, wow, that is some dog. What's her name? And the forgetful farmer, he sat there and thought for a moment. He said, what do you call that red flower that smells good and it has um, thorns on the stem? A rose? Yeah, yeah, that's it. And the farmer turned to his wife and said, hey, Rose, what do they call this dog? <laughs> now, that's one level of forgetfulness. Very. But all of us are prone to forget some things in life and forgetfulness can get us into a lot of trouble. In fact, even the Bible tells us to remember some things. This past week I got down my old concordance, the actual hardback one, not the one on the computer, not Google, but the old concordance. You know, it tells you where every word is and where it appears in the Bible and how many times it appears in the Bible. And I looked up the word remember. And this concordance is based on the King James. So you have these words, remember, remembered, rememberest, remembereth, remembering, remembrance, and remembrances. And I began to look through the list at some of those verses and looking at some of the times that we're told to remember things. Just listen real quickly here. See if you recognize any of these. Exodus 28, remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Ecclesiastes 12.1, remember now your Creator in the days of your youth. Luke 17.32, remember Lot's wife. Colossians 4.18, Paul says, remember my chains. Hebrews 13.7, remember those who rule over you. Revelation 2.5, remember therefore from where you have fallen. 
It's obvious, is it not, when you think about all the times in God's Word that He says to us, remember, it's obvious that God realizes that as humans, we have difficulty remembering. We forget. And you might be thinking, well, wait a minute, preacher. This is interesting and all. Uh, but what does this have to do with Easter? I mean, this is Easter Sunday. I mean, look around. It's really early. We're all dressed up. We still smell like bacon from this morning's breakfast. Uh, the choir just sang their cantata. And here you are talking about forgetfulness and talking about the need to remember. Why in the world are you doing it? Well, I'm glad you asked. There's one more verse that I want to bring to your attention this morning that uses that word remember. And I want to share it with you today. And we'll primarily be in this passage. If you'd like to find your place in 2 Timothy chapter 2. We find the word remember. I'll also put it on the screen for you. 2 Timothy chapter 2 and verse 8 tells us to remember something vitally important. And here's what it says in 2 Timothy chapter 2 verse 8. Remember that Jesus Christ of the seed of David was raised from the dead according to my gospel. Just to see who is awake, read it out loud with me, would you? Remember that Jesus Christ of the seed of David was raised from the dead according to my gospel. Now, what a strange thing to remind us of, isn't it? How could we ever forget that Jesus Christ was raised from the dead? You remember that the book of 2 Timothy was written by an aged and older Paul, and it was written to his son in the faith, Timothy. And Paul would soon be with the Lord Jesus. And there were some things needed to remind uh, Timothy of and share with Timothy before he left this earth. Now, let's go back and let's read the verse in context. If you have your copy of the New Testament open and you're in 2 Timothy chapter 2, I want to begin reading at verse 1 and we'll read down through verse 15. I want you to see where verse 8 fits into all of this, okay? 2 Timothy chapter 2, verses 1 through 15. The Bible says, You therefore, my son... Be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. And the things that you have heard from me among many witnesses, commit these to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. Verse 3. You therefore must endure hardship as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. No one engaged in warfare entangles himself with the affairs of this life that he may please him who enlisted him as a soldier. Verse 5. Also anyone who competes in athletics... He is not crowned unless he competes according to the rules. Verse 6, the hardworking farmer must be first to partake of the crops. Consider what I say, and may the Lord give you understanding in all these things. And now here's our verse. Remember that Jesus Christ of the seed of David was raised to the dead according to my gospel, for which, Paul says, I also suffer trouble as an evildoer, even to the point of change. But the word of God is not changed. Therefore, I endure all things for the sake of the elect, that they also may obtain the salvation which is in Christ Jesus with eternal glory. This is a faithful saying, for if we died with him, we shall also live with him. If we endure, we shall also reign with him. If we deny him, he will also deny us. If we are faithless, he remains faithful. He cannot deny himself. Verse 14, remind them hmm, of these things, charging them before the Lord not to strive about words to no profit to the ruin of the hearers. Be diligent to present yourselves approved to God, a worker who does not need to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. Paul is reminding Timothy here, he's charging Timothy that the ministry, we could even say the Christian life itself, living for Jesus, is not easy. He says you need to endure hardness like a soldier. You need to be disciplined like an athlete. And you need to work hard like a farmer. And then after saying that, all of a sudden he says, remember Jesus Christ. He mentions a soldier. He mentions an athlete. He mentions a farmer. Then he says, remember that Jesus Christ, the seed of David, was raised from the dead according to my gospel. Now, some Christian scholars believe that this statement in verse 8, is actually from an early Christian creed that they probably would have known. But why would Paul tell Timothy, of all people, to be sure to remember 
Don't forget that Jesus, who was of the seed of David, was raised from the dead. I mean, some people, they don't know this truth. And others, they know it, but they sometimes forget it. But this was Timothy. I read a story about a chaplain, this has been many years ago, who was sharing the gospel with a soldier at a railway station. And this railway station was very poorly lit. I mean, the lighting just wasn't good. And the chaplain handed the soldier a, a copy of the New Testament. And the New Testament was open to John 3.16. And he asked the soldier to read uh, John 3.16. Here's what the soldier read. Here's how I read the verse. For God so loved the world that He gave His only forgotten Son. His only forgotten Son. I'm afraid that soldier was more correct than we'd like to admit. Many people have forgotten Jesus. They don't know Jesus. But beloved, this is written to the preacher Timothy. Why would Paul say to Timothy, remember? Remember Jesus Christ of the seed of David was raised from the dead. John Stott asked the question, how could Timothy ever forget? And he answered this way, the human memory is notoriously fickle. It is possible to forget even one's own name. And he's right, beloved. The human memory is so fickle we can forget our own names. He continued by saying that even so the church has often forgotten Jesus Christ, absorbing itself instead, now in barren theological debate, now in purely humanitarian activity, now in its own petty parochial business. Beloved, how easy it is to forget the Lord Jesus. We may not mean to. We don't intend to. We don't plan on forgetting Him, but we do. We forget Him. Reminds me of a man who... I read a story this past week, a news story, about a man who drove off and left his wife at a gas station in Brazil. The article said he went to the toilet after filling up his car and did not notice his 40-year-old wife, only identified as Claudia, was missing when he drove off. His wife, who had been sleeping in the back of the car, went into the shop to purchase some cookies and found her family had departed without her when she returned. The couple's 14-year-old son had also failed to spot his mother was missing as he was playing on his mobile phone in the front seat. Can't you just picture this? Dad's driving along some, and Mom's back at the gas station. Reports say the absent-minded husband drove for an estimated 60 miles before he realized his wife was missing. And drove back. Now, let's just give him credit. He drove back, y'all. Some wouldn't have went back. It said she tried to call her husband's phone but could not connect due to a lack of coverage and then ask employees at the petrol station for help. They contacted local police who took her to a station until her husband returned. A traffic officer in the Brazilian municipality of Passo Fundo said his wife was unimpressed when he eventually returned two hours later and showed exactly what she thought of the situation by kicking the car. She was very angry. She was moaning at him for taking so long to realize, said the officer. There was no physical assault, but she was more upset when I saw the husband. Can you imagine that? Driving off and accidentally leaving your spouse behind. You didn't mean to, I hope. Um... It was an accident. You didn't mean to forget. You didn't notice. You were busy. You were occupied. Can you imagine? But how many times do we do the same thing with Jesus? We forget about Him. We, we leave Him behind as we motor through life, playing with our cell phones and listening to our radio and, and making and marking miles on the highway of life. And we forget about the Lord Jesus. And maybe that's you this morning. You didn't mean to. You didn't intend to. You didn't plan on forgetting Him, but you've forgotten Him. Can I just say to you, beloved, what Paul wrote to Timothy? What he said to Timothy, remember that Jesus Christ of the seed of David was raised from the dead according to my gospel. Paul's not saying it's the gospel belongs exclusively to him or that he made it up, but it's the gospel entrusted to him. And it's the same gospel we have today. Now, beloved, this verse has so much in it. 
You might be surprised, in fact, to realize that this one verse covers the birth, the death, the resurrection, and even the eternal reign of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, I want to walk you through the verse real quick, and we'll note some things about it. And then we're going to draw one big lesson, okay? If you want to jot these things down, I want you to notice, first of all, at 2 Timothy 2a, notice the humanity of Jesus Christ here in this verse. Look back at the verse with me. The very first word you remember is... Remember. Y'all are already sleeping. Remember. In the Greek, it has the idea to keep on remembering. So what he's saying to him here is, keep on remembering that Jesus Christ... Now, Jesus is His human name given to Him at His birth. Thou shalt call His name Jesus. And then the verse says what? He's of the seed of David. That also speaks of His humanity. He came through the line of David. And then it says He was raised from the dead. And so if He was raised from the dead, that means He actually died. He was a human who died. He was the God-man, but in His humanity, He died. He's God in the flesh. That's why He died. So we see His humanity here. He is Jesus. He's of the seed of David. He came through David's line. He died. But notice also, beloved, the deity of the Lord Jesus in this verse. Remember, keep on remembering that Jesus Christ, Christ meaning the Messiah. And then it says, of the seed of David was what? Was raised from the dead. Raised in the original language, there's the idea of raised forever. He's still alive. He never died again. He's never going to die again. He's forever alive. He literally bodily rose from the dead. And this speaks of his deity. Because in our humanity, we can't of our own will die and then get back up. Because He's God, He can. He had power to lay His life down. He had power to take it up again. Jot this reference down. Romans 1, 3 and 4. Romans 1, 3 and 4. Concerning His Son, Jesus Christ our Lord, who was born of the seed of David according to the flesh... Romans 1.3, now listen to Romans 1.4, and declared to be the Son of God with power according to the Spirit of holiness by the resurrection from the dead. So far we know that He is truly man, He's truly God. Birth, death, resurrection. But then I said it also covers His eternal reign. Would you notice please the royalty? of the Lord Jesus in this verse. You say, well, preacher, where do you see the royalty of the Lord Jesus in this verse? Well, let's look at it again. Remember that Jesus Christ of the seed of David. Hmm. We said that meant His humanity, yes. But it means much more than that. Because He was uh, physically from the line of David, we realize likewise that He's going to rule on the throne of David forever. Would you jot these references down? Luke 1, 32 and 33. Luke 1, 32 and 33. Talking about Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Highest. And the Lord God will give Him the throne of His father, David. And He will reign over the house of Jacob forever. And of His kingdom, there will be no end. God had said back in 2 Samuel, Chapter 7, verse 16, referring to David, talking to David, and your house and your kingdom shall be established forever before you. Your throne shall be established forever. And of course, there came a day where David died, but through David's line came the Lord Jesus, who's going to sit on the throne of David forever. And so in that one verse, we've got the humanity of Jesus, the deity of Jesus, the royalty of Jesus. Extending all the way throughout eternity future as he reigns on the throne of his father David. So let's put it all back together again now. Let's bring it back into context where Paul wrote it, when Paul wrote this to Timothy, and let's draw a lesson from this this morning. And then we're done. Remember that Paul is charging Timothy. And he's encouraging him, remember, to endure, to labor, to keep going for Jesus. Like, like a good soldier, like a, like a disciplined athlete, like a hardworking farmer. Perhaps Timothy was getting discouraged. Perhaps Timothy was struggling. We know that Timothy had some issues in his life. 
And after he mentions these examples, he brings up the greatest example he could bring up. He brought up an example of someone who suffered, who endured hardness, who went through suffering, but that suffering led to victory. He brought up the Lord Jesus Christ. You see, beloved, Jesus suffered on Calvary, but He won the victory over sin, death, and the grave. Can I give you some more references to jot down? You can go read these later. 1 Timothy 2.21 1 Timothy 2.21 For to this you recall, because Christ also suffered for us, leaving us an example that you should follow His steps. Hmm. Maybe not everybody's favorite verse, but true nonetheless. Philippians 2.8-9. Philippians 2.8-9 and being found, talking about Jesus, being found in appearance as a man, He humbled Himself and became obedient to the point of death, even the death of the cross. Listen to verse 9. Therefore God also has highly exalted Him and given Him the name which is above every name. His suffering brought about victory. He was brought low but then exalted. Then one more. How about Hebrews 12.2? Hebrews 12.2, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before Him, listen, for the joy that was set before Him endured the cross, despising the shame, and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. You say, preacher, what's the lesson this morning? Listen, when times are hard, when living the Christian life isn't easy, when suffering comes, remember the Lord Jesus Christ. Remember that He was raised from the dead. Remember that He is alive forevermore. Remember that He was brought low, but He has been exalted. Remember that as of the seed of David, He's going to rule forever and ever and ever upon the throne. And yes, times can be tough. And yes, we struggle at times. But in eternity, in heaven, it will be worth it all. Remember that Jesus Christ is alive. Put your finger there in 2 Timothy. And I want you to turn to another passage. 1 Peter chapter 1. I spent some time meditating on this precious passage. And it fits nicely with what we have talked about here in 2 Timothy. If you think about the Lord Jesus and what He did, what He accomplished, 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 3-9. through Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who according to His abundant mercy has begotten us again to a living hope, a sure hope, a solid hope, alive. How? Through the resurrection of Jesus Christ and the dead. To an inheritance incorruptible and undefiled and does not fade away. I love this next part. Reserved in heaven for you. Child of God, this is what you have. Look at what it says in the next verse, verse 5. Who are kept by the power of God. Hallelujah through faith for salvation, ready to be revealed in the last time. Verse 6 of 1 Peter 1. In this you greatly rejoice. Now watch this. Though now for a little while, if need be, you've been grieved by various trials, that the genuineness of your faith, being much more precious than gold that perishes, though it is tested by fire, may be found to praise, honor, and glory at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Whom having not seen, you love. Though now you do not see Him, yet believing, you rejoice with joy inexpressible and full of glory, receiving the end of your faith, the salvation of your souls. We may have to suffer for a little bit, but there is reserved for us an inheritance, incorruptible, undefiled, does not fade away, reserved in heaven. We will have the end of our salvation that is, the end of our faith, the salvation of our souls. He's going to finish the work He began. I love what Tony Merida wrote. He said, Beloved, when your tank is empty. <laughs> you, ever, you ever get to that point? Your tank is empty. When your tank is empty, remember this. The tomb is empty and the throne is occupied. 
Hallelujah. When you're struggling, when you're discouraged, when you're tired, when you're weary, when you're ready to give up, when you're ready to wave the white flag, when you're ready to throw in the towel, remember that Jesus Christ of the seed of David was raised from the dead and He is alive today and He is alive forevermore. In other words, beloved, don't forget Jesus. Don't forget the empty tomb. Don't forget about His second coming. Don't forget about eternity. Don't forget about heaven. Don't forget about what awaits us reserved in heaven for us as we're kept by the power of God. You see, beloved, the resurrection of Jesus Christ makes all the difference in the world. And not just for then and there, but for here and now. Because Paul wrote to Timothy, Timothy, listen, remember now, don't forget Jesus. Don't forget He's alive. There's a beautiful old story about a Sunday school teacher. And he asked his uh, children in his class to bring in those plastic eggs on Easter Sunday. You all know what I'm talking about, the little eggs that we hide and put little things in. And he asked them to bring in one of those plastic eggs and, and bring something in it that symbolized the meaning of Easter. And so Easter Sunday came and the children brought their eggs. And the teacher took the, the, each child's egg. And by the way, he was more brave than I would be. And he was going to open each egg and he was going to make a point of how whatever was in that egg symbolized Easter. And so he had one egg and he opened it and it had a tiny flower. And the teacher spoke about the new life that springs forth at Easter. He opened another egg and it had a crayon you know, drawing or, or coloring of the Lord Jesus. And he spoke about that. He opened another egg and had a nail in it. And that was pretty easy, right? He talked about the nails on the cross with the Lord Jesus. He opened another egg and had a little pebble in it, uh, you know, a little stone. And so he was able to take the stone and able to talk about, um, you know, the stone that was rolled away. It guarded the tomb and it was rolled away. But the teacher was dumbfounded when he opened the egg of seven-year-old Brian. You see, seven-year-old Brian was a mentally challenged boy. And uh, he had brought his egg and given it to his teacher. The problem was Brian's egg didn't have anything in it. And you can imagine the teacher's there. He's got this precious, mentally challenged boy before him. He, he's made a point about everything else that everybody's brought in, and here he is. But not to worry, because Brian spoke up for himself, and here's what Brian said. He said, it's full of emptiness, just like the tomb of Jesus. It's full of emptiness, just like the tomb Jesus. And beloved, can I say to you that his lesson was the best lesson of all. The tomb is empty. On our best days and on our hardest days, we need to remember that Jesus Christ of the seed of David was raised from the dead He's alive. And beloved, the resurrection of Jesus, it makes all the difference in the world, both for here and now and for then and there. Would you pray with me? Before we pray, while your head is bowed and your eyes are closed, I feel I need to ask you, do you know the Jesus I've been speaking about this morning? If not, I'd love to introduce you to Him and Him to you. He loves you. He came for you. He shed His precious blood for you. He died for you. He arose for you. And He will save you if you'll turn from your sin and place your faith in Him. Here in just a moment or two, we're going to sing a closing song. And you've never met the Lord Jesus. I would invite you to come today. And I would love to share Christ with you and to lead you to the cross. Now, I know many that I'm talking to today, you've already made that decision. You trusted Christ as your Savior. 
Well, I hope that you'll take today from this fresh encouragement to know that He's alive. That He suffered and He will now reign forever. And I don't know what it is you're facing. I don't know what struggles you have. I don't know where you're maybe tired and weary. You need to come today and you need to think about for a little bit the fact that He's alive. He's alive forevermore. He's the author and finisher of your faith. He understands, He cares, and He has grace to meet you in your time of need. And as we sing this closing song, the altar is open for you. And you can come and pray and find that grace you need today from the risen Savior. I'll be at the front if I can help you. If anyone here can help you in any way, we would love to do that. Father, we are grateful for this truth that you have brought to our memory today. Remember that Jesus Christ of the seed of David was raised from the dead according to my gospel. And now, Father, I pray as we have this invitation time, if anyone does not know Christ, that you would convict their heart and bring them to saving faith in Christ. And then for my brothers and sisters, as you've ministered to their hearts today, that you would help them to respond in obedience to whatever you're saying to them. And I just pray that Christ to be magnified and glorified in this place and in this service and this invitation, I pray. In Jesus' name and for His sake. Amen. Our closing hymn is 407, Because He Lives, I Can Face Tomorrow. All he lives, all fear is gone. The altar is open, and he invites you to come. And you can stay today and turn up and pray today. He's alive.